the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Good afternoon. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at our website, depetro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. It's Wednesday. It is September 15th. And this portion of the program, folks, it's very muggy out. And the forecast over the next, actually for the next week, it's going to be, boy, well, the next couple of days are somewhat cool and a little rainy. Right now, though, it's very muggy out. It almost feels like 90 but next week, a lot of sunshine, warm temperatures. Folks, you want to call JKL Engineering. Call JKL today. And remember, they're licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. It's JKL Engineering. Give them a call at 401-351-7600. 401-351-7600. JKL Engineering. Highest rebates on the market. In wintertime, they can reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. Called JKL today, 401-351-7600. They do it right. They do it right the first time. Call JKL Engineering today. Estimates are free. Financing is available, both residential and commercial. Call JKL. 54 years in business. It's JKL Engineering, 401-351-7600. 401-351-7600. Remember, with JKL. They're licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. So if you're listing right now and it's 107 and it's Wednesday afternoon, maybe you're going out for lunch, what have you, and you put on and you live in whether it's Bellingham or Franklin or Douglas or Uxbridge or Attleboro, call JKL 401-351-7600. So, folks, Providence Mayor Jorge Elodja has decided that he is not going to be running for governor. And I'm going to play that in just a moment. Now, if you would like to send me an email, and people do send me email, and you can, uh, the easiest thing to do is go to the website, depetro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com, and then you just click on Contact John. And that's, that's a very easy, direct, straight, easy way to get a hold of me. And also, if you want to reach me, if you want to advertise in the show, we have some great merchandise. If you're listing right now, maybe you're listing right now on this Wednesday afternoon and you're on Route 146. And it's 108 in the Ocean State. And you say, you know, I like this Juan fella. And I want to support his show. You can buy a nice uh, beer glass. Or you could buy a mug. So you get a nice item and then you're supporting the show. Think how great that is. But it all starts by first, first logging on at the website, depetro.com. Now, some of the email. And I don't mind answering email if people have questions. Here's one of the emails. I won't give out names, though. All right, so Alors is not running for governor. Do you think Magazina, Seth Magazina, general treasurer, or Nelly Gorbia will make him lieutenant governor? Well, let's, let's think about that for a moment. Uh, and I don't mind the question, and I'm glad that I get a chance to answer it. Let's think about that for a moment. But I have a question. Did you did you hear what I said? The reason he's not running is low poll numbers. The reason he's not running is low poll numbers. So you have a guy who is not popular. So he, how unpopular is he? He's so unpopular, he's not going to run for governor. 
So someone is saying, well, do you think one of them will tap him and then they run as a ticket and he'll run as a lieutenant governor? Well, let's 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 play that out a little bit. Nellie Gorbia. So she's Latino. Does she want to then choose the mayor of Providence, who's Guatemalan? So that would be the Latino ticket, in other words. Uh, no, I don't think that works. I'm not going to rule anything out. But the problem is, the question is, why would you pick someone who's unpopular? You want to pick someone who's going to help you. Now, hear me out. Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee. He is kind of running as a ticket with his lieutenant governor, who is Sabina Matos, former head of the Providence City Council. She's the lieutenant governor. So she wasn't, she didn't have terrible numbers. She was, if anything, she was an unknown. And part of the reason to bring her in was maybe to fend off attacks from people like Gorbea or Alorza. But now it looks like you don't need them. But she didn't have and doesn't have negative numbers. Now, she doesn't have great numbers, but she doesn't have bad numbers. And if anything, she is, you know, probably well-known more Providence, Pawtucket, Central Falls with your Latino core than others. Another question is, do you think Magazina would choose him as Alorza's lieutenant governor? Well, I want to come back to what I said the first time is Alorza has an image problem. Alorza's polling. Why would you pick someone? Right now, picking Alorza and to say we're going to run his ticket, he's got a lot of negatives. His negatives, he's upside down in his polling. Alorza's negatives are higher than his positives. He's what you call upside down or underwater with his polling numbers. You know, approval rating, whatever it is, it's very low, 20%. Disapproval rating, 50%. People that don't know him. You know, 20%, whatever it may be. A lot of people that know him have a negative opinion of him. So to answer the question, so do you think Magazine or Agorbea will make a Lord's lieutenant governor? Um, Number one, in Rhode Island, you don't run as a ticket. It is done in mass, and it should be done in Rhode Island, but it's not done that way. So the reason McKee is doing it to try to fend off like a Mayor Alorza or Nellie Gorbia. That's one of the reasons he's kind of kind of running and he really showcases his lieutenant governor with Sabina Matos. But I, I just think if, if you're Seth Magazine or Nellie Gorbia, I, I don't I don't think you want Mayor Alorza as your lieutenant governor. The guy's got high negatives. He's got an image problem. Maybe someone would say, yeah, but he could help you with Latino community. Well, let's let's talk about Gorbia. Well, she definitely doesn't need him. Because she now supposedly stands to benefit from getting the Latino vote. Magazina, would he say to Mayor Lorza, why don't you run as my lieutenant governor? Well, Mayor Lorza, and I'll play it, he just announced he's not seeking office next year. So he's really, he has shut the door on that. He has shut the door on that. Sometimes that might not be a bad idea. And a good example of that, by the way, a good example of that, this is good for Secretary of State Nelly Gobia. But a good example of that was when, how did Mayor Alorza become mayor in the first place? Well, August 2014, August of 2014, there was going to be in the Democrat primary for mayor of Providence. Folks, hear me out. This is important. Right now it's 113, it's Juan. 
on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. August, 20, August 2014, Brett Smiley is running third in the Democrat primary. Number one, Michael Solomon, who was the city council president, was leading the polls, was expected to win the primary in September. Number two, believe it or not, was Jorge Elorja, who was then capturing the Latino vote. Three was Brett Smiley, I believe, and then four was Lorna Drain. This total egomaniac, uh, beautiful person, you know, whatever. He had no campaign. But anyhow, so it was actually Dan McGowan who broke the story. He was working for Channel 12 at the time. Brett Smiley drops out, and he basically endorses Mayor Jorge Elijah. They combine forces. They swear there's no deal. Alorza beats Solomon, wins the Democrat primary. Alorza goes on and beats Former mayor, Buddy Cianci, along with Dan Harrop, or Cianci called him, Jorge Harrop. And then Alorza appoints Brett Smiley to be his deputy mayor, basically, even though there's no such. He wasn't his chief of staff. That was a guy by the name of Tony Simon. Nope, he appointed Brett Smiley in some high-level role, who then bailed out of there and became Governor Mundo's chief of staff. After her chief of staff totally flamed out. So my point is, Mayor Jorge Elage, that's how he got in. That's how he got in as mayor. And he's term limited out. Term limited out. I think he's damaged goods. I do. And I don't think someone else brings him in. Now, how do I feel about it? I kind of feel the way when Chafee announced he wasn't running for governor. I think him not running deprives us of a lot of fun with the campaign. Now, Channel 12, uh, we'll give credit. Steph Machado, uh, WPRI, Eyewitness News, they uh, got the interview with him, basically broke the story. She enjoys a good relationship with the mayor of Providence. By then, you know, Channel 10 filters over and everybody else, but I'll give credit. Channel 12 broke it. Play both packages. Um, but this definitely shakes up the race for governor. It does. So let's hear, I believe we're going to hear the Channel 12 package right now. Yes. For higher office, namely the governor's office for the past year and change. And uh, today I've told my supporters and I'm announcing that I will not be a candidate for governor next time around. And I don't plan to be on the ballot at all in, um, in 2022. You know, for me, it was a decision that, you know, really came down to two, two reasons. The first is, you know, I have a young child and I have family responsibilities um, and you got to put family first. Oh, are you um, long, yeah. But second and, uh, and also incredibly important is I have a really demanding job. Oh, and uh, never you know, know I it. came to see over the past, you know, several months, maybe five, six, seven months that you can only do one, you know, full time and full speed. And running for statewide office really requires a 100 percent commitment. And uh, I made a commitment to the residents of the city that I was going to be mayor for eight years. Ugh. And I intend More to like give a it threat. my full attention, my full commitment for that full eight. He's not. He is. Uh, he, as a matter of fact, he couldn't be more checked out. Couldn't be more checked out. Listen, when the guy was running for governor and the city was, you know, a mess, he still was wouldn't come back from vacation. At Storyland with Baby Fromar. So, and that that's when he was, you know, 
I need to be serious and I'm running for governor. What do you think is going to happen now? All right, I'm going to see if Channel 10 caught up to him. I'm not sure if they did. We'll find out. Um, I don't think he has anything against Channel 10. Uh, no, so Channel 10, that's odd. They're just running the Alorza versus McKee package. I don't know why they're doing this. NBC Brian Crandall continues our team. They're just going back to the uh, to the fight at Waterfire. The brawl by the the ruckus by the river. So he would have faced a crowded field. Nelly Gorbia, General Treasurer Seth Magaziner, Dr. Louis Daniel Monez have all launched launch campaigns. So um, so they did not catch up with him, as a matter of fact. They did not catch up to him. But, folks, the other a big story, now I will get to what happened in California. What, um, what I think is, um, is amazing what happened out in California, and, and, and some people may not like it, but is what happened with the way that they found or they're giving the perception they're giving the perception that attacking President Trump helped in stopping this recall movement. So stopping it by attacking President Trump. So what I'm saying is that's that is um that you know i would think should be somewhat if it worked is my point as much as and i'm saying it would work on you and i'm not saying it would work on me but you you have to wonder and and it is you know i received an email from alan that said that one that is just desperation well i'm not going to disagree with that but but what if it's working what if they find that by attacking President Trump, it works, and it did get people to donate, and it did get people to go out and vote, right? That's, that is something that I don't think people should just dismiss. I don't think that is something that should be easily just, you know, thrown off of uh, who can't. No, if, if you start still now attacking President Trump, and it gets people motivated to go out and vote or donate money. You, you, if you're, you can't ignore that. If they started attacking him and you think people would say, well, listen, President Trump's not on the ballot, number one. And, you know, who cares? Let's focus on this. That, then that'd be one thing. But they're finding that by attacking President Trump with this in this recall with Gavin Newsom, that, you know, that, I mean, that's, that's what they went to. That was the line that they went to. Um, I want to play, um, let's see, he's, um, this is a governor of California that, that fought off the, uh, this, this recall. Let me play some of this. Just in the last, you know, few days, and the former president put out saying this election was rigged. A democracy is not a football. You don't throw it around. It's more like a, I don't know, antique vase. 
and can drop it and smash it in a million different pieces. And that's what we're capable of doing if we don't stand up to meet the moment and push back. I said this many, many times on the campaign trail. You know, we may have defeated Trump, but Trumpism is not dead in this country. The big lie, January 6th insurrection, all the voting suppression efforts that are happening all across this country, what's happening, the assault on fundamental rights, constitutionally protected rights of women and girls. There's a remarkable moment in our nation's history. You know, that... Um, folks, that can't be ignored. At 122, I, I want you to, and I'm not sure if everyone's going to get it, but you're, I, I, I'm seeing now, and again, I want to, um, at 122, good afternoon, it's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, which is dePietro.com. This portion of the program, what he just said is, um, is pretty remarkable. Uh, this portion of the program, folks, again, visit the website, uh, depetro.com. One of our sponsors happens to be Sole Source Restoration. If you're listening right now and you've had fire or smoke damage or water damage or mold remediation or storm damage, Rhode Island and Massachusetts, I'll tell you who can help you. S-O-L-E, Sole Source Restoration. And you can log on, SoulSourceRestoration.com, or also call them, 401-712-2700. There's a link at the um, the at the website, uh, which is depetro.com. So what what's um what's different about that, folks? Keep in mind, what like what are they going to do for next year? What are they going to do for the midterms? What are they going to do going forward? What he just said is very significant. I want to repeat. I'm not saying it would work on you. I'm assuming you many of you are Trump supporters or voters. But what they're they're now throwing out, because you could say, what what are you talking about? Why are you even talking about him? He's out of office. Biden's the president. Why are you even talking about him? Because he's saying Trumpism is not. Now it's a movement. Now it's a movement of what must be defeated. What is Trumpism? And again, this is Governor Gavin Newsom of California, folks, who... I mean, it sure seemed that he was going to get knocked out of office with this recall, but he prevailed. As a matter of fact, listen, it was a blowout is what it was. It was a blowout. It wasn't even close. Um, that is different. Trumpism is not dead. What does that mean? Notice, what does he mention? White supremacists, women's rights, January 6th. Look at how this is all being framed. Can't let your guard down. Right? Can't let your guard down against it. I want you to hear that again. This is significant. This is the uh, still governor of California, Gavin Newsom. Put out saying this election was rigged. That democracy is not a football. You don't throw it around. It's more like a, I don't know, antique vase. You can drop it and smash it in a million different pieces. And that's what we're capable of doing if we don't stand up to meet the moment and push back. I said this many, many times on the campaign trail. You know, we may have defeated Trump, but Trumpism is not dead in this Here country. Here it is. The big lie. 
January 6th insurrection, all the voting suppression efforts that are happening all across this country. What's happening, the assault on fundamental rights, constitutionally protected rights of women and girls. It's a remarkable moment in our nation's history. Now let's and what what those he didn't come up with those talking points all right this guy's governor of california gavin newsom and the talking points this is very significant that's why i wanted to play it twice this is very significant folks they are treating they're treating you and i'm going to assume right now at 126 most of you are trump supporters maybe not all but most but all right they're treating Trump supporters. It, this, folks, this is like the war on terror, which never ends. We can't let our guard down. And then he goes through the litany: voter suppression, women's rights, insurrection, January sixth, extremism. We can't let our guard down. You're going to hear this now. I, this should not work. This should not be effective. It should be called out. Who's not going to call it out? Hear me out. Who's not going to call it out? You guessed right. The media will not call it out. New York Times. Governor Gavin Newsom of California defeated a recall effort that he had painted as an attempt at a hostile takeover by far-right extremists and supporters of Donald Trump. Now, that's not what happened. But that quote, we may have defeated Trump, but Trumpism is not dead in this country. That is completely unfair. Listen, Newsom... Newsom, what did him in? What caused it? it? A big part of this was he was seen during the lockdown at one of the most, I think it's one of the most expensive restaurants in California. One of the most expensive restaurants in the country is a place in Silicon Valley called French Laundry. And he was seen with his friends dining without a mask on. That is what started it. That really rocked him to the core. That and all the mask mandates. There are people that are not Trump supporters, who I know, in California. And they're not. They're not Trump supporters. But they couldn't stand him and all these mandates and shutdowns. And I mean, it's, it's been, as I've told you, though, I mean, there's no one who's enjoying this whole time. The only one who's, who's tried to a little bit or maybe got some support has been the governor of Florida. But New York Times says an anti-Trump strategy was effective Tuesday recall vote. Uh, but discipline, a lot of money, easily demonized opponent, all helped too. So, now folks, that is going to see, that to me is going to be, I think you're going to see other people use that. I think you're going to see other people. I do, th- I do think that. You're going to see other people use that. Other people are going to running for office now is that's a term you're going to see thrown around a lot. Trumpism. Trumpism isn't. Well, first of all, it's certainly not. And you're hearing what's an example of Trumpism. Trumpism is people at a college football game that are chanting. Blank Joe Biden. Now, is that people that are disappointed in the president? And I'm just saying, like, how Cicilline and that crowd would answer. No. Is that, you know, people that are tired of the masks and the mandates for the vaccines? No. Then what is that? That's, what do they want to say? That's Trumpism. That's Trumpism. 
That's what they're trying to say. That is their new buzzword that they're trying out for next year. I guarantee that you will you will hear that from Congressman Cicilline. I don't know when you're going to hear it, but he'll he'll be one of the first ones. Right? We have to be careful of Trumpism. We have to be careful of Trumpism because it's it's not dead. Now, folks, again, good afternoon at 1.30. Boy, that is interesting how they're already, because I know a lot of, a lot of people are not paying attention. Uh, something that is big is next year. A lot of people that are wondering whether or not President Trump is going to run next year. Or is going to run, excuse me, in 2024. A big part of it is how the Republican Party does in the midterms. Next year are the midterms, House and Senate. Republicans are looking to retake the House, get rid of Pelosi, and retake the Senate, get rid of Chuck Schumer. Depending on if they do that, really could decide whether or not President Trump takes over. Now, because Biden is like asleep at the switch, and because the disaster of Afghanistan... The people that tired of the vaccine and the mandates and the whole thing. There's speculation. There's certainly speculation that next year the Republicans could be successful in the midterm elections. But this is different. This is different. If they're starting to trot out and feeling that a way to be successful next year, and I'm talking about the Democrat Party, hear me out. Is if you run on this platform of we need to defeat Trumpism. We need to defend Trumpism. Defeat Trumpism, excuse me. Now, let's go to Meet the Press. California recall offers tests for off-year races. Chuck Todd talking about Orange County and then the Virginia gubernatorial race. I want to hear a little bit of this. Nationally, I think it's a tricky thing, uh, particularly for 2022. But I do want to look at Orange County, and I want to have you look at it in terms of the prism of Virginia governor, since it's in about six weeks. Um, and in fact, if you look at Orange County's shifts from 2004 to now, it looks a lot like Virginia's shift from 2004. Uh, it was an easy Bush victory in 04 in Virginia, even a, a bigger one for Bush in Orange County in 04. Now, look at these numbers here, and these are just Newsom numbers in, in, in Orange County. He basically won it by a couple of votes in 18. The no vote outperformed him uh, even more so in Orange County. It seems to me, Dave, that if, if Republicans had seen improvement in Orange County, that would have been the flashing yellow sign for, for Democrats nationally. How would you extrapolate Orange County out for, say, Glenn Youngkin and Terry McAuliffe? Yeah, look, Chuck, uh, first off, we still have a lot of votes left to count in California. So, you know, the margin is 28 points statewide now. It's five points in Orange County. I expect these margins to narrow somewhat. And by the time all is said and done, I believe actually the yes vote will carry a few competitive congressional districts in California. Keep in mind, everything's going to be redrawn before 2022. But uh, look, was it an absolute thrashing? Yes. But what I'm watching is the difference in the Biden-Trump margin and the margins that we see in these off-year elections. It, you know, if Newsom ends up winning by 24, 25 points, that's actually, you know, five points closer than the Biden-Trump margin of 29 from 16. If Terry McAuliffe ends up winning Virginia by only five points, that's five points less than, you know, the, the Trump-Biden margin in Virginia. And 
all, if Republicans are overperforming that, that 2020 margin uh, by five points everywhere, that's more than enough to take back the House and Senate. So we have to be careful to put all- Very interesting, folks, about, and I know that, that this is getting a little bit inside baseball, but very interesting about the, um, of what that means for 2020. Folks, right now at 133 on this Wednesday, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by Ryan's Appliance Repair. Call Ryan's Appliance Repair today at 401-710-7096. 401-710-7096. Ryan's Appliance Repair. I just received an email from one of our listeners, and that's fine, who said, who's the appliance repair person? I immediately responded, Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401 710 7096. What can he repair? Well, he can repair a washing machine, a dryer, dishwasher, stove, oven, microwave, garbage disposal. Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401 710 7096. He comes to you, give him a call, he'll fix your appliance. And Ryan told me many times when he gets in, He'll sometimes fix two and three appliances. Folks, Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096. Now, there's a lot of controversy at the White House regarding, I'll tell you, I can't stand that General Mark Milley. That guy should not be in office. I, I should not be in a position of power. I repeat, he should not be in a position of power. Again, folks, remember this portion of the program brought to you by Endzone Sports Pub, Pop It and See Dana and Crew. Best stop in the state, great food, super drinks. Everyone's very social. I had a great time enjoying the Patriots game there on Sunday. 960 Menden Road in Cumberland. Pop in. They also have karaoke on Friday and Saturday nights. Let's go to the White House press briefing. Talking about General Milley, who basically admits... Someone who's serving this president feels that uh, there's an order or a policy that he views as contravening the Constitution. How much agency does this president give to those beneath him in the line of the chain of command? Well, beyond this president any pre- or any president, it's the obligation of every chairman of the Joint Chiefs to follow constitutional orders to prevent unlawful military action. This president has no intention of fomenting unrest or an insurrection. He has no intention uh, of, of obviously moving forward or, or recommending unlawful military action. Uh, he has no intention of, uh, of working in a way that is outside of uh, what his national security team, what his military commanders are aligned with him. I mean, obviously they're going to give him a range of recommendations, but you know, he has no intention of, of, of working outside of, uh, of uh, what is legally uh, allowable. So I don't think that's going to be an issue for this president. Let me ask you a follow-up to uh, the vaccine mandate question. What's the way, last week you were asked about uh, you know, the obligation that employers have, and you suggested that large employers have the ability to pay for certain things. You know, folks, look at, again, I'll go to talking points. You know, armed insurrection. And let's go to the question. Does the president have confidence in General Mark Milley? Milley, about all this, since the book's details were publicized yesterday, I don't have any other further uh, conversations to read out. Go ahead. Even if the president believes that the intentions and the patriotism of General Milley were in line with his own values, is there a point where criticism makes 
General Milley unable to continue with yes. this rule uh, because it is him. a new administration, it's a new day, and yep. there are some questions about if he exceeded his authority. Right. Well, again, uh, the president uh, has complete confidence in his leadership, uh, his patriotism, and his fidelity to our Constitution. Patriotism. I can't speak to the former president's uh, experience with him or the former president's views of him, but the, this president, this current president, uh, who follows the Constitution, who's not fomenting... You know, that whole thing of following the Constitution, not doing uh, an insurrection, I mean, you have got to be... God, it's just more of the same. It is absolutely more of the same. Um, folks, again, good afternoon. It's Juan. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always um, listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Now, the big, big um, story of the day, the big story of the day uh, is really the situation locally that Providence Mayor Jorge Eloza will not be running for governor. And he spoke a short time ago, and I want to give credit, Channel 12, they did break the story on it. Um, this, this does a lot of things to the race. I, I'm going to just inject, I, I didn't see, I mean, I, the, the guy is impossible to root for. He is just tone deaf, absolutely tone deaf when regards to different elements. But the fact that he's not going to be in, that helps, that helps Governor, um, that helps Secretary of State Nellie Gobia and hurts, hurts Governor Dan McKee. It does. I'm not saying it's fatal. I'm not saying he can't win. Um, Gobia should not be elected governor. But short time ago, Mayor Jorge Elorza. Now, I don't believe any of this. Well, you know, I got a family. Well, you're the mayor now. And I got to be focused just on one thing. He's not focused on it at all. The guy is completely checked out. But let's hear the uh, tone deaf Mayor Jorge Elorza. Yeah. Looking at running for higher office, namely the governor's office for the oh. past year and change. And uh, today I've told my supporters and I'm announcing that I will not be a candidate for governor ah. next time around. And I don't plan to be on the ballot at all in, um, in 2022. You know, for me, it was a decision that, you know, really came down to two, two reasons. The first is, you know, I have a young child and I have family responsibilities um, and you got to put family first. Um, but second, and, uh, and also incredibly important is I have a really demanding job and uh, you know, I came to see over the past, you know, several months, maybe five, six, seven months, that you can only do one, you know, full time and full speed. He doesn't even do that. And for statewide office really requires a 100% commitment. And uh, I made a commitment to the residents of the city that I was going to be mayor for eight years. And I intend to give it my full attention, my full commitment for that full eight years. Now, I also want to mention there, folks, and again, good afternoon at 140. You know, I... As I listened to what he said, I don't intend to be on the ballot. I don't intend to be on the ballot. Would be interesting if he went for general treasurer. Let me hear that again. I don't intend to be on the ballot. He was not running for governor, but let me just hear this, how he phrases it again. Governor's office for the past year and change. And uh, today I've told my supporters and I'm announcing that I will not be a candidate for governor next time around. 
and I don't plan to be on the ballot at all in, um, in 2022. I don't plan to be on the ballot. I don't plan to be on the ballot. When you say that, I don't plan to be on the ballot, that's, what's, what's that different from? That's different from I will not be on the ballot. That is different from I will not be on the ballot. That is, I don't plan to be on the ballot. Which means he's, he is leaving the door open, not for governor. Not for governor. But maybe for another office. Family concerns weighed in his decision. I don't believe that. Nope. It's polling numbers. He finally polled it. He said, let's spend the money, because they're not cheap, and do a full poll. And I heard in certain areas he was single digit. That's what I heard. Single digits in certain areas. So, meaning in certain pockets of the state. I mean, let's be honest. Do you know anyone that was going to vote for that guy? Do you you know anyone that was going to vote for that? I mean, I, I don't know any, well... He, he didn't have a big voter base in any way. He didn't. So he did not have. Um, I didn't see a path. The only path he had is what I said earlier in the program. And again, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on this Wednesday. Then there were, well, I don't know how many there are going to be. I mean, we'll see if... Um, well, Governor McKee, now that would be surprising if he doesn't run. But um, well, it's definitely Seth Magaziner. And it is definitely Secretary of State Nelly Gobia. And now we're waiting to see. I mean, Governor McKee, I don't know why he he wouldn't run for right for governor. Uh, but the Alorza thing is interesting. Alorza defeated CNC by seven points, 52 to 45. And Dan Harrop got a couple of those votes as well. Not a lot. Let's see, a few weeks ago, Mayor Alorza let go one of his only campaign staffers. So this isn't a total surprise to a lot of folks. So that's interesting. Dan McGowan just uh, put that out. He did poll recently. And then he let go of one of his only um, campaign staffers. So, and and he, for the last year, has had, um, has decided that, and and I I didn't see a path anyway. I mean, the path that he was trying to go down was one of Mayor Alorza felt that he was going to capture the African-American vote. And either he wasn't doing it or there's just not enough of enough base of it to push him over the top where he wanted to be. Well, folks, at 145, now, I also want to make mention um, that this situation with this General Milley, that, that, that guy should not be there. And I think it's very unfair. He was running around. He was contacting China. You know, they're always so afraid of Trump was going to get the nuclear codes and blah, blah, blah. And 
I, I like the fact there's discussion. How is that not treason? That was way beyond his purview, General Mark Milley. As much as people warn about the danger of President Trump would have the nuclear codes, you know what else is, is difficult? Having someone, and you're not sure just if they're operating with all their facilities the way Biden is, and 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 basically being like asleep at the switch. I mean, I think you could certainly argue that that's, you know, the whole thing of the, the whole decision. Um, oh, now this is new. Uh, email show Tony Silva in last year. This is Providence Journal. Told DM he was still planning to buy a piece of property. He repeatedly told reporters he had no interest in the lot since April 2020. But in November, he was still telling them top DEM official urged staffers to expedite wetlands application. So uh, that is not a good development. And we'll see what Governor McKee has to say. A top official for DEM uh, urged staffers expedite it. Guys, we need to move on this one. The application's been for a long time. It's under a ton of pressure from his financing company. Get this on. Terrence Gray, DEM Deputy Director, wrote January 28, 2020. Uh, a one-time chief seeking a bill permission, folks, to build in Cumberland. McKee named Gray Acting Director DEM June 2021, just weeks before the permit was issued. Grace Bowman came after Jana Coit, announced she was leaving. So now you have an incentive. If you approve this, I can get you to be the new head of DEM. So records obtained show the email, which was sent 926, wasn't the first time Gray inquired about the status of the application. Gray sent an email marked importance high to engineers. Can you let me know the status of two apps? Um... They replied within minutes. Such requests speed up a lengthy permit process. It's not unusual, said Gray. Uh, Tend to get quicker results. Um, The outcome was what Silva wanted. So Beckwell's the title said his department would aim to issue a decision by February 14th. Been significant comment from the public. Some concern. The outcome wasn't what Silva wanted. On February 14th, they informed the owner of the Cumberland property. The planner received several objections. There would have to be a public hearing. Gray, a 35-year veteran of the agency, Silva told me he was under financial pressure, moved things along. Oh, come on. We couldn't meet his financial timeline, they said. Rather than go through the process, Silva was under contract to purchase it, withdrew the application. A revised version, which was approved by DM, was filed later that year. Though Silva said he had no financial stake in the property after April 2020, he thanked the guy in November 2020 for your follow-up with my second application. Noted the proposal was submitted now under the name of Joan Mooney, who I'm buying the lot from. Beck noted in a subsequent email, view process being expedited. When Silva's new application arrived, Gray had no involvement in it, did not have any contact with Silva this year when McKee became governor. So, but what's interesting, folks, is this guy involved then became DEM director after he sped up the thing for Silva. 
I think it's pro. I think it's a problem. I think it is. I think what I am hearing is that um, they're on this. They are not going to let this go. Very good digging by this uh, reporter at the Providence Journal, as a matter of fact. So um, very good, as a matter of fact. But I think he's he's going to. Uh, I think he could be in trouble. Again, as I've said, I don't think he's in Gordy Yurts type trouble, but he could uh, he could definitely be in trouble with this whole thing. Top DM official urged staff is to expedite the application. Gray's acting director just weeks before the permit was issued, and then in fact he got it after Janet Coit announced that uh, that she was leaving. So this this again now Governor McKee is uh, having a press briefing tomorrow. I'm sure he'll be he'll be asked about it. Um, and this thing is just it's not going away. And I I also think it's interesting that. That Governor McKee had said, well, I, I certainly hope there was nothing at DEM, his words, because, you know, it takes two to tango. That's how he kind of worded it. But this shows that, you know, Raimondo was leaving, McKee was coming in, and his, um, let's see, Eli Sherman points out the new evidence story offers more evidence. Sony was not candid with us about his role in the wetlands development. So he was not candid at all. No. Let's see. Gordy Ernst oh, reached a plea deal. Folks, Gordy Ernst of Cranston, formerly of Cranston, is, um, oh, okay. Um, well, now they're saying, eh, we're not sure exactly. It could be uh, one year to four years in federal prison. And I think he's got to pay back. million, which is pretty heavy, pretty substantial, without question. But the big news today, right now, in case you're just putting on the radio at 151, is the fact about the mayor of Providence, Jorge Elijah, will not be running for governor. And came up with the whole litany of reasons why he's not running, but I'm just telling you. And as Dan McGowan said, he had done some polling I heard the polling was just brutal. And, folks, it confirmed, you know, I, I thought he was tone deaf. He is, uh, I've been told, one of those individuals that they can't even reason with him. The guy just doesn't listen. And he was still going to run and, you know, doesn't see a problem with any of his maneuvers and moves. And then something like this happens and then realizes that the jig is up. So, now he's also saying he doesn't anticipate being on the ballot. I think it he's got one million. We'll see if whether or not Secretary of State's office does have power and it controls the, the voting and the ballots. So maybe General Treasurer. I mean, I don't I wouldn't feel comfortable. I would not feel comfortable voting for the mayor of Providence in either of those positions. But that's something to watch. Or listen, he becomes let's play, let's make a deal, right? Let's cut a deal that if you know such and so becomes governor, then he'll play this type of role. I don't think 
I don't think anyone would name him to be their lieutenant governor position. First of all, he doesn't seem interested in that. I also want to address, I received an email from someone saying, well, you never know in politics. I, I don't agree with that. You never know in politics. All right, let's play that out. Someone that says Link Chafee may run for president again. Could he win? Well, you never know in politics. No, he's not going to win. He doesn't have a platform. He's been able, unable to really build a voter base. I don't think that is a situation of you never know in politics. No, I don't think that's the case. Um, you know, would someone, would Hillary Clinton run again? No, I don't think, she, well, you never know in politics. Well, no, I I don't think that is the case. Um, same thing with like an Anthony Weiner. I think that's a cliche. Well, you never know with politics, someone could decide to run again. No, I that I don't find that to be the case. I don't think that is the case as far as, uh, I don't think he is in fact going to um Alors, uh, it's not, I don't think it's a matter of that. Like, hey, you never know. No, there's things that we can know. There's things that we can know. That would be like someone taking, like when Chris Young would run for office. Someone would say, hey, you never know. No, we know. No, we have a good handle on that. You know, I don't agree with uh, anything can happen. No, not really. Not anything can happen. No, that's, that's not the case. Right. That's that's usually not the, the case. I also let me just quickly play this Channel 12 story about this um, homeless advocates who are upset about this council. Shaking here. their heads after Providence City Councilor Nicholas Narducci boasted about taking part in the cleanup. Narducci says neighbors have been complaining about the trash in this area and he has since responded to the criticism. 12 News reporter Sheena Loshudo joins us in studio with more on why advocates say the cleanup was the wrong move. Sheena. Well, what is the city doing to help the people living on the streets? That's at least one question one local nonprofit has tonight. They say the focus should be on the lack of affordable housing and shelters. These photos posted by the Providence City Council Twitter and Facebook page sparking outrage Tuesday. The posts say Providence City Councilor Nicholas... Narducci took part in a cleanup at a homeless encampment site under the Route 146 overpass on Branch Avenue. Homelessness is a problem that's caused by policy and structure, uh, um, which means that we need to learn as those who are decision makers and uh, policymakers that we have to point the finger back at ourselves. What? Wrong. House of Hope believes housing is a basic human right and that homelessness is a result of structural inequities. Outreach manager Sarah Malucci says there are better ways to address this, like helping the people actually living there. I, I often cringe when I hear the focus of these sorts of statements be on trash um, or um, focus on the conditions as if it were a choice of the people staying there. A city council spokesperson says no one was evicted or kicked out during this process. Narducci says neighbors were complaining about the trash and litter here, emphasizing that he's committed to solving the, quote, homeless crisis in the city. In a statement, Narducci wrote in part, quote, police were there for traffic safety and did not approach anyone. I also want to make very clear that no homeless who use this space for shelter were displaced and that I am continuing to work to ensure that these individuals have access to social support services. 
Now, it is worth noting when we drove by that overpass tonight, we didn't see anyone there. I'm Sheena Lushuto, 12 News. You know what's amazing about that, folks, is they have to apologize. These people just set up an encampment underneath, <sighs> underneath an overpass. And then the councilman, who does what his constituents want him to do and has to complain, of, or excuse me, defend himself about evicting people that were living under an underpass. Think how crazy that is. What are you talking about? Why does he have to? Why are they living there? They don't own that land. They don't own that land. I don't blame the people in the neighborhood. What do you mean they were evicted? Evicted? It's not even their land. Folks, something to listen for. And you're hearing this more and more. And it's bad on the West Coast. And that is this whole element of housing is a human right. Housing is a human right. But keep in mind, well, and and then the the advocate that said, you know, let's keep in mind those people don't want to be there. Those are people that don't want to be in a shelter. They don't want to be in a shelter. They don't want to because of the regulations and you can't have weapons and you can't have uh, uh, drugs and you can't have pets and and a lot of other, you know, those are some of the reasons why they don't like to be in a shelter. But the fact that that councilman almost had to apologize, he did clean it up. He did do exactly as the residents, his voters. Hey, I don't want those people over there. They're living under an underpass. And then he comes under attack. He comes under attack. I'll get him as a uh, guest on the program, but I, I don't think that guy did uh, anything wrong. Well, folks, it's 159. It's John DePietro. I want you to enjoy this Wednesday. Uh, coming up. At 2 o'clock will be the 2 o'clock news, and then you will hear the uh, John Dion program. You'll also hear the latest in the local news. Jeff Gamach was briefing us on that incident that happened. So more details on that. Remember, visit the website, uh, depetro.com. For those that are going on the big Patriot check game, it's supposed to be beautiful weekend uh, weather coming up in New York. So, folks, stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news. We're back on the radio Tomorrow at 11. I will be doing Facebook later on for one after dark. Stay tuned. The John Dion program after the two o'clock news. WNRI Winsocket.